Hey Slingers, welcome back. Now we're in a whole new year. 2019 just kicked off. This is the first Word Slinger podcast of the year. I think you're going to get a lot out of this one. We're going to be talking to M.G. Heron about pin names, about audiobooks, about collaboration. So stick around. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey, happy new year, slingers. Uh, I'm glad you uh, stuck around for this one. I'm glad you came around for this one, rather. And uh, it's going to be a great interview. I'm talking to Matt M.G. Heron. Uh, about, among other things, uh, using pen names, uh, creating audiobooks, and of course, collaboration. Um, collaboration is big right now in the indie author community, so I, I know that's going to be a topic everybody's interested in. Um, we This is, so far, 2019 is starting off to be a great year. I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm kind of kicking things into overdrive. I'll talk a little about what's going on in the uh, in my world, uh, after the, uh, interview. So stick around, um, some cool stuff. We've got some really cool stuff. Uh, today our, uh, our guest is pretty accomplished and I can't wait to, uh, to share what we went over with you. So, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep you any longer. We're going to jump right in cause I'm so excited about it. So enjoy this interview with Matt M.G. Heron, and uh, be sure to stick around after we'll have ourselves a nice little conversation. <laughs> so see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thank you for sticking around through the intro, through whatever uh, whatever random stuff I said uh, at the beginning of the episode. I'm glad that you found this interesting enough uh, to stick around because you're, you're not going to regret this conversation I'm about to have with Matt M.G. Heron. Uh, did I get that right, Matt? Did I say your you got it. Your last yeah. name right? Because uh, I didn't practice beforehand. Because I don't hey. practice beforehand for some reason. <laughs> you nailed it. Don't worry. I nailed it. M.G. Heron, everybody. Uh, if you're looking for his work, we're going to be talking about him, his career. Uh, good to have you on the show, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to probably, I don't want to confuse the audience. I will probably call you Matt because that's how I know you. Um, Absolutely. But we'll, uh, we'll emphasize that if you're looking for his work, everybody, look for M.G. Heron on uh, Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, that way you'll, find, you'll be sure to find him. <laughs> Nothing like confusing the audience right off the top. So um, <clears throat> first, thanks for, for being on. I think I already said that. I appreciate you being here. Uh, and why don't, you, why don't we jump in? Let's talk a little bit about what, because uh, you're the author of the Translocator Trilogy. Let's talk about that first. What's, what's the story with the Translocator Trilogy? Sure. So it's my first sci-fi series. Um, I wrote a standalone novel before it, but this is the first sci-fi series and um, it's coming out in audio uh, in 2019. So I'm excited to see that finally happen. Uh, I've written the series over the last three years inspired by a trip I took to Chichen Itza in Mexico. Okay. I uh, wrote about Chichen Itza in my last uh, Dan Collar book. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. You're the guy who read it. Um, so... <laughs> Do you do a lot of, is that what a lot of your work is based on? Is uh, Well, that series in particular is kind of archaeologically inspired, and I've always kind of been fascinated with myths and legends and the Mayans and uh, the Incas and the ancient cultures in Central and South America anyways, and so it was a natural fit 
Uh, and then when I went to see the pyramid, um, my mind just caught fire. Yeah. Uh, so. It's kind of hard to, it's, it's, it's really tough to go to places like that and not end up writing something about it. That's right. It was an incredible <laughs> trip. Uh, we got to like swim in a cenote and then we took tours of the, of the pyramids. It was, it was great. It was great. Sweet. I've, I, I did not, I have not been able to swim in a cenote. Is it, is it, is it, is it as life-changing as it seems to be? Oh, I was shocked <laughs> because the water is like 40 degrees. It's so cold. Yeah. Uh, and you go down this huge set of stairs to get there. Like we did a, like a full day tour where they like picked us up at the resort and we drove there on a bus and they took us into the cenote and it's like down this huge set of stairs. And then it's just, it's, it's crazy though. Um, in this one, there was like a hole in the ceiling. And so there was like a giant shaft of light that came in. It was very picturesque. I think I wrote about it on my blog. Um, I have some photos of the actual cenote. It was cool though. So you worked in this, now this is an archeological um, detail. So how does that work in with sci-fi? Yeah, so what I did was, um, it's a little bit inspired by like Stargate where they go to another planet. And so the, the real mystery of the series is how this culture got onto this other planet and why um, the alien that they meet there is there in the first place. Okay. So that's kind of like the different conceit, right? And then the, uh, the main character, Eliana, is an archeologist. And um, she, the story starts where she's like having a really hard time getting funding. And so she's given up hope. And then she stumbles on this thing after an accident uh, and it changes her whole life. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, I mean, I love Stargate. Uh, I was a right. big fan of the, of all the, uh, the movie and all the series. Mm-hmm. I actually hear they're, uh, they're working on a new Stargate actually. Really? That? That's exciting. Yeah, they did a web be... series last year, right? They did well, like... maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was the yeah. web. I, I had heard though that they were going to do a new series featuring the, uh, the daughter of the guy who first discovered. That's right. Stargate. Yep. It's the web series. So they, the web they, series I think what they did was they took all of the Stargate um, properties and put them online in one place. So like if you're a big Stargate nerd like I am, you could go there and just watch any Stargate you want. Uh, and they added this new web series. Um, and it was pretty cool. I mean, uh, they're shorter episodes, like 15 minutes, yeah. but it's, you know, kitschy fun. Definitely, if you're a Stargate fan, you'll appreciate it just because yeah. of the references. I'll definitely check it out. That's the, that, I, I was a big fan. That's a big, I, I will admit to some influence from uh, Stargate. <laughs> so uh, you said that, uh, you mentioned that you're, you're finally getting the books into audio. How long have the books been out? Uh, so the first one was published in 2015 and then um, the last, the second one last year and then the third one in June of this year. So it's, you know, as we record this November or almost November of 2018. So it came out just a few months ago. Um, yeah. And then uh, Podium is producing the three books. Oh, right you got the, you got a Podium deal. That's pretty good. I'm very excited. They found a wonderful, um, wonderful narrator who's going to do Eliana's voice justice. I'm, I'm really stoked. So how did you end up on the radar of Podium? Um, through networking, I knew okay. somebody that had um, met them and knew them, and they recommended. I, I'm not even sure how it happened. Honestly, I was um, talking to somebody about it, and they're like, "Oh, well, send me so, uh, like a pitch deck or something." And then all of a sudden, I get an email from them saying, "Hey, we want to talk to you." And I got on the phone, mm-hmm. and like a week later, it was done. So, yeah, it was a fun experience. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I've and I've known uh, some of the folks at Podium, but I've never pitched anything to them. Maybe I should. Yeah, I've always been inspired by them. I saw them, uh, one of the founders I met at Smarter Artist in 2015, which I think you were at. Yeah, Uh, I think that's probably where we met. I met all of them, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I haven't. I just went to that one, but I was so lucky because I got to see um, one of their founders speak, uh, and I just love their process. Like, they're super indie friendly, and um, they do things a little bit differently than a lot of the audio publishers, so I appreciate that. 
Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm a big fan of any any process, any resource that you know comes into the uh, indie fold and enhances it. That's right. that's the way I feel about those guys. That's right. That's cool. Yeah. So when are the audiobooks coming out? So January 2019. Uh, January. And I think it's just going to be called the Translocator. So we're going to do them in an omnibus sort of package. Okay. I see. I so. see. Yeah, the, the most deal for your credit, you know, like I know those credits, I, I'm a subscriber to Audible and the credits are like 15 bucks and this will be like, you know, uh, three full length novels for one credit. For, for one price. Oh, you're putting, you're bundling the whole thing together. Yep. Yep. That's how they oh. prefer to do it for the, uh, a lot of these sci-fi series, especially because, you know, like the, the first book is a, a little on the short side, like it's definitely still a full length novel, but it's mm -hmm. a little on the short side. And so um, unfortunately the way that Audible has, incentivize the credit system people don't right. like short books right they want to get the most for their money like i yeah. you know i'll go use a credit on an epic fantasy any day because it's like 35 hours of audio for one credit what a deal right yeah that's why we're actively trying to break that credit system <laughs> I, and i wish you guys luck i'm so excited about all the different audio offerings and and the yeah. distribution expanding in the u.s has been really cool to watch and what you guys are doing at draft the digital is is great yeah, yeah, we're working on that. Find a way. They're the real powerhouse behind mm -hmm. uh, redefining audio. So I can't wait to see how it all goes. Kelly Lytle and those guys. Um, Amazing. Well, that's fantastic, man. Congratulations on that. Uh, that's appreciate. It. Um, I love. So what's interesting to me is, uh, and the longer I'm in this industry, the more this kind of thing I'm seeing. You know, where the uh, the indie author they start their career no real direction really, you know, no real uh, goal uh, per se, uh, but then all these opportunities come along. Have you had other opportunities kind of like the podium deal? I mean, that's been the major one in my career. Like I only have four novels out right now. I'm working on a new sci-fi series, but you know, as far as indie authors go, four books just ain't a lot. No, and right. uh, you know, so I'm still feel like I'm in the beginnings of it, but I love the way the landscape is changing and, and just all these different opportunities that are coming along that weren't even possible six years ago. Or what do you, what are you seeing? What, what is getting your attention the most? So some of the small indie presses that are happening and people being open to more lax deals, like, uh, you know, I've, I've been following the publishing industry for a long time. And um, I've, you know, historically authors really got gypped out of a lot of the copyright and IP situations. And so, um, right. and, and a lot of that was because publishers weren't taking another option and because they controlled distribution, you know, you either took it or you didn't. And that was right. it. Uh, right. And so now that the distribution has changed, um, a lot of people are seeing different ways to do business. And that's exciting, right? Because with a different business model really opens things up. Uh, and I like to compare it like historically to what happened in the pulp era. You know, the magazines opened things up and the mass market paperback opened right. things up again in the, uh, during the war. Um, and that changed publishing. You know, it's, it's a very similar thing is happening now. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's hard to say what's going to happen in 10 years, but I've just seen all these new indie presses opening, new audiobook options. Um, the the Kobo, Kobo distribution deal with Walmart has been really cool to watch, and that's only happened in the last couple months. So right. uh, I just think that there's so much more options for writers. You could just choose. You know, you don't yeah. have to go the one path. There are other paths. Right, yeah. I really feel like you mentioned the, uh, the pulp uh, model there, and I, I feel like we are the pulp fiction writers of that's our right era yeah, yeah <laughs> right absolutely we're doing the same things you uh i don't know if you read james scott bell's uh pulp oh i did yeah i love yeah. that 
fantastic book. Yes. And I, I resonated so much with that. Uh, I've been trying to get that guy on the show. He's too busy to get on the show. But uh, Really? James Scott Bell's busy? I'm, I didn't notice. Him? Busy? Yeah. <laughs> writing like 20, 20 books a day. That's um, incredible. So, yeah. he's. Uh, but that, that whole model, to me, mm-hmm. it so perfectly fit the indie. So, I ha- I'm, I'm, I'm going to write. I swear to you, I'm going to write the definitive, um, the silos of self-publishing because mm-hmm. and i'm going to name them you know because there is the the crowd that that publishes and sells out of the back of their car mm-hmm. you know and uh they only do print and they don't understand digital and these newfangled e-reading devices then there is the self-publisher who understands digital uh but treats it more like a possibly paid hobby mm-hmm. and then there's the businessy crowd the sort of you know internet marketing crowd yeah and uh I, and i think there's another I think there's the internet marketing crowd and there's some, there's a Venn diagram where it overlaps with the group I believe I'm in and you're in, which is the uh, more pulp fiction type, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Genre fiction, mostly genre exactly. the writers and yeah. Yeah. But cranking it out, getting as many books out as you can, you know, working, you're working the deals. So, <laughs> um, that's fantastic, man. Okay. Uh, so uh, you you've talked to I don't know if we talked at all I don't think we have before you and I started recording I think you and I you had mentioned something about client work and why you went mm-hmm. with MG instead of uh, Matt Heron mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah so what were you what was life before the books are you full-time right now by the way no I'm not full-time I feel like I live a, a dual life like Jekyll and Hyde yeah um, but you know I have the sci-fi books I did one nonfiction book as well um, for writers like how to use Scrivener um, and then on the other side of my life, I do content strategy for clients. So like I run workshops, I work with small businesses and tech startups, everything from like B2B software to apps. Uh, and I help clients with their marketing and content strategy. Um, and so, you know, in many ways, self-publishing was a good fit for me because I already came with some of the, the marketing skills. Like I knew yeah. email marketing, I understand marketing funnels. Um, you know, like I'm teaching a workshop this week, uh, on Friday with uh just in austin people could come it's a two-hour workshop and we're going to go over like the foundations of content strategy so that's what i do the rest of my time uh and the books are like the passion and i hope one day you know i'll be full-time with the books but um in the meantime i love my other job too so it's hard to choose between them i know yeah i had similar well i was not i was not broken up about leaving copywriting uh my copywriting business yeah per se. Right. Uh, but I had to do marketing at draft digital, right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, what's, so I, I look at draft digital as it having saved me from myself. That's the way <laughs> I look. Because what I did was dump copywriting yep. and start yep. doing books full time. And there was a sort of void in my life. Mm. Uh, there was a, something of a financial void because I, the books weren't making quite as much as the copywriting was, but right. there was also a sort of, you know, it was just me all the time now. There was no, there were no client lunches. There were no trips, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So draft digital gives me all of that, but I'm working in a community I love instead of writing for oil and gas or, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what you said about um, the, the interaction with people is really important. I think that's something that indie authors don't often talk about enough is that the need for human interaction. And if you're just stuck behind a keyboard all day long without interacting with people, how that affects your, personality like it affects burnout it affects so much of so many aspects of your life and if you're a writer and that's all you do um, you need to figure out some way to bring the other aspects of like a human existence into your little bubble right because 
if you're just sitting at home typing on a keyboard, like, is that really living? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if I were not doing the, uh, the draft to digital gig, I would probably uh, do the co-working spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. one in Seattle called novel. Yeah. I'm like, how freaking perfect is that? <laughs> that is cool. I don't think there's any writer focused ones in Austin, but I do work out of co-working space. I've been members of them. I actually met some of my best friends at co-working space. My wife and I met at a co-working space, if you could believe it. Really? Seriously? Yeah, yeah true oh. story. In Austin, um, we met in 2012. Okay. All right. See, and you and I are not that far from each other. I could wander up to, to Austin. Um, that's what I'm, I'm trying to, that's what 2019 is going to be for me, by the way. Oh, yeah? Is, uh, Go back on the road? Space, get back on the road. I'm, yeah. all, I'm on the road a lot for Draft Digital, but now I'm going to start mm-hmm. taking some trips. Uh, these are just Very cool. early riding, getting to places. I'll start with Austin. You, there's well, like a hundred of us in Austin. That's <laughs> true. There's a bunch of people here. Um, I also have a meetup in Austin. So um, there's like a thousand writers in this meetup in Austin. You'd never believe that the community was this large if you didn't know it. Uh, I, know. I mean, that's one of the most amazing things about indie publishing too, is that there's communities everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Except Houston. Um, really? <laughs> man, I have tried. I've, and I've got maybe five authors in the area. That, no uh, way. That Do I, you think yeah. that's because Houston's so spread out? I do. Mm. Because I say Houston, and I don't actually live in Houston. I live in Sugarland, right. and right. Houston. You know, it'll take you three hours to drive across Houston. Yeah, and you, and oh, you still yeah. won't be out of Houston. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a strangely constructed city in that yeah. it's just like a, a mass of suburbs that sprawls forever. When they say Greater Houston area, they really mean Texas. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, the greater Houston area is larger than many small countries. That's exactly right, man. You're, you, you, that's exactly what it is. All right. Uh, I don't want to talk about Houston. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you're, you've got, I, I think it's fascinating that you met your wife at a, at a uh, co-working, co-working space. space. Yeah. Maybe that's, I should write a novel about that. <laughs> you should do that. Totally. You should do that. You know? So, okay. Well, I want to talk about, cause you went with, um, M.G. Heron, mm-hmm. um, and you told me a little bit before we started why you did that. Let, let's talk yeah. about that because there yeah. are authors who struggle with pen names, for example. Yeah, yep. Uh, well, so here, here's how I feel about pen names and about branding in general. Right, uh, brand is basically just other people's perception of you. It's your reputation. It's a fancy marketing word for reputation. Right. You can build a brand out of any name. You just have to be conscious of how other people perceive you. So for me at the time. I was doing client work under Matt Heron. I had articles published in newspapers under Matt Heron. I didn't want to confuse people. And also I wanted to be unique, like in the search results. Now at right. the same time, I had the Twitter handle MG Heron because I couldn't get Matt Heron. And then I bought the domain name mgheron.com. And I was like, well, I guess it's meant to be. Um, and so I decided to go all in on that. So my books are under MG Heron rather than Matt Heron. Uh, but you know, equally I could have gone with Matt Heron. I think it would have been fine. I could have gone with Matthew G Heron. It could have been fine. Um, but you know, one of the reasons that I, I did choose MG Heron was I've always, you know, I grew up reading J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and these other authors and MG Heron just seemed to have a nice ring to it for this genre of sci-fi fantasy. So I thought, what the hell I'll do it. And it's worked out fine. Um, I definitely don't have any regrets. Uh, I also though, because I write sci-fi and fantasy um, under one name, like some authors would have said, oh, well, you could split out the fantasy. Uh, my feeling on this is actually that traditional publishing in the past has forced people down these different pen name paths. And I've even seen authors who used to have two pen names, 
you know, one for one subgenre and one for another, merge them and become one. Yeah. Um, now that said, you know, if like, if you're writing YA novels and you're writing erotica, maybe you should consider having a, a different pen name for that because they're wildly different audiences with different expectations. But yeah. um, for the most part, like uh, we were talking about James Scott Bell, um, he writes genre fiction and his writing books under his same name. I think he's doing fine. So, you yeah. know, anything is possible. And the thing is that you just have to follow through with it and think about what, why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and, you know, this is what I tell my clients when we talk about brand on the content strategy side too, is as long as you understand why you're doing it and your intent is good, anything will work out. But do what you're comfortable with, you know? Like some people don't feel like putting themselves out there in the world. That's fine. Use a pen name, no problem. Yeah, I started my my writing career under as J.K. Tumlinson, and I admit I was trying oh, yeah. to capture some of that J.K. Rowling. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I figured, at least you're honest about it. <laughs> look, I'm, I'll, I I will I will cop to uh, pulling some of the tricks. You know, <laughs> I mean, I have a book called The Atlantis Riddle. Okay, I mm, I mm. will admit that title came out of a joke uh, about oh, uh, capturing A.G. Riddle's audience a little, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not above these tricks. That's great. I didn't know that tidbit about the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a little that's a little bit of trivia for you. Yeah. Search engine optimization is very smart. That's right. That's right. And it seems to have worked for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you switch when you switched from JK Tumlinson to You know why? Because I like my name. Mm, like I wanted yeah. my name. I like you know, call me a narcissist, call me whatever you want. But I I I want to be able to walk into a room and say, Oh, that's Kevin Tumlinson. You know, he writes thrillers. Yeah. I wrote under J. K. Tumlinson and J. Kevin Tumlinson for a while. Mm, interesting. The J. Kevin Tumlinson has stuck uh more than anything. I get I still get uh calls and references and you know, emails and mm. things addressed to J. Kevin Tumlinson. And I'm okay with that. And it was the same sort of deal. Yeah. Like a J like a uh you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it was that sort of deal. So I thought it lent some prestige to mm -hmm. the name, but uh, it also felt a little too formal for my brand because, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm all about cracking jokes, wearing bow ties, uh, you know, wearing <laughs> no pants, that sort of thing, word slinger, that sort of thing. So, yeah. But there you go. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah. No, I agree with you fully that um, you can turn anything into a brand. Uh, you know, the, the example for me was I made many, many years ago, I made one joke about uh, pants being a funny word, and that became part of my brand forever, nice. uh, <laughs> whether I wanted it to or not. So. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the big brands in the world, like, what does Nike mean to a right. person now? Like, it doesn't mean the Greek or Roman god anymore. It means right. sportswear. You know, what's Apple mean? It's, a, it's an Apple, but it's also a computer brand. So people just right. learn to associate it in, the, in your mind. So, you know, I, and the, with the meetup group that I have here in Austin, where I talk to indie authors all the time, this is a common concern. And I just think that people are overthinking it, you know, yeah. go with what your gut says. And look, you can change it later if you want to. Well, I know I there was that. some, uh, there's been some concern about uh, brand contamination, right? Mm -hmm. So if I write sci-fi and I also want to write romance, I've got some brand contamination because yep. now I'm writing two different genres. Uh, I can I could see a case made for that, but I also think that these days, it it's unimportant. And I think your indicator species is uh, authors like um, James Patterson, who yep. are out writing every genre. That's true. <laughs> and the brand is the name. So mm -hmm. I th I really do think I don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you think people are following totally the author more than the uh, genre? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I think in the future, that's the only way that people are going to be able to separate themselves from the herd is being personal about it. I agree with that. I 1000% agree with that. That's exactly my philosophy. That's one of the reasons why I switched to using my name. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that things can go south and can go foul. Uh, people don't like my politics or people don't like my uh, mm -hmm. comments about something or whatever. And so everything could go down the toilet. Um, but I would rather... I'd rather ride that wave yeah. <laughs> and make my name the brand. So yeah, that's clever. Uh, okay. But so you, and you say you have no regrets then about the MG. No, not at all. But you don't want, you don't necessarily want people calling you MG. I mean, I'm okay with it too. It's just awkward for other people. Cause they're like, your name is what? MG. MG? Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, you know, I, I, my name's Matt. It's a very common name. Uh, I grew up, it, like in first grade, I had six mats in my class. I don't think yeah. that's necessarily going to differentiate me as much as MG. I actually think MG might be a stronger name for, for my author brand. Like, who knows? No, yeah. yeah, no, I'd say it's got some, I think it's got character. Hmm? I'll give it to you. I, right. I know you didn't ask my opinion on that. Uh, well, thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate welcome it. Welcome to it anyway. Opinions come free on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right, Sci-Fi. You got another series coming, you said. Mm -hmm. That's right. What's uh What's the premise here? Or do so you it's want called. To reveal? No, I'll reveal it. It's called The Gun Files. I've been working on it for over a year, um, and it's a sci-fi mystery. So you can kind of think um, X Files, uh, like the Brothers Grimm, but the sci-fi version. Uh, okay. It's about a bounty hunter in Austin, of all places. Oh. Um, of course, my home in Austin. I love this place, but it's inspired by the weirdness of Austin, and he's a bounty hunter who discovers aliens exist, and so he's just dealing with that and trying to stay alive. Uh, okay. So yeah, I've been developing this series for a little while, hoping to release the first one early next year. Okay. Uh, and you're, so you're pretty close. I'm pretty close. I am two and a half books in. Are you pre-writing the series or are you uh, yeah. writing My plan was I was committing to three. Yeah. And, you know, I hope they go well and I can write the other three. But I wanted to have three in my pocket done so that I could do like a rapid release. Um, I think I that's know. smart. That's what I'm telling are. people. Uh, yeah. And I'm practicing what I'm preaching now. I haven't done this in the past. I've, I haven't practiced what I preach, but I'm writing a series it's, now. That, can I be honest with you? Yeah, go ahead. It's hard. It's so hard to hold <laughs> these books in. Yeah. You know, like I've already sent the first one out to beta readers. They, you know, responded really positively, helped me make it a little bit better. But then to sit on it for months is really difficult. But on the other hand, you know, I, I would just, I want to give it the chance it deserves and i think yeah. that in this landscape uh like a rapid release you know where, where i can have three done i can get everything lined up ahead of time and then start releasing them while i write the fourth one and give myself some space because yeah. you know historically i've always just written it published it written it published it written it right. published it and there was no real like uh for for somebody who's a content strategist and helps businesses with their marketing strategy i think i need right. to take some of my own advice you know and and part of this is learning my writing process and part of, part of it is learning the book launch strategy and how to launch a book and how to market a book which is maybe a little bit different than marketing right. a business but um yeah i don't know we'll see if it works i don't think it's all that different though this mm. is what uh, i've been asked a lot recently and and uh, chris syme asked me on her show recently um what I thought the next wave would be for mm. um, author marketing. And I, my answer was um, content marketing. And this mm. is not a new thing. You know, we no, know what content not. marketing is. But I think authors haven't fully embraced it uh, the way they could. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to differentiate you from, because mm -hmm. you can spend a ton of money on Facebook ads, Amazon marketing ads, sure. et cetera, yeah. and all that. Uh, so 
to talk about content marketing, I mean, like, I think the best approach to content marketing for an author is to uh, like regular releases or a scheduled release or like a, you know, a well-planned out launch is really the best content marketing. Like people talk about content marketing, like authors haven't been doing it for years. Like your book is your content. That's right. So a good strategy with your release plan is actually good content marketing for authors. But I agree with you about the, the lack of, um, of authors being out there in the world in other ways, like through podcasts, through, you know, authors have always written. And do you think this is uh, like a factor of authors just being a little introverted or do you think it's something else? I think there's some of that uh, because you're afraid to get yourself out there. Uh, And when you say, when you start looking at what content marketing has been traditionally, I think a lot of authors balk at it because it's one, it's a lot more work. Uh, it's marketing. It's not right. It's marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think that these things can work really well together. I'm mm-hmm. creating content. I'm going to create a second podcast. That is all the content I gather when I'm uh, researching my archaeological thrillers. So I'll do content yeah. that leads back to my primary content. Mm-hmm. I think authors have an opportunity. I think it's a all about thinking creatively. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely thought about the idea of doing a podcast. I think I don't want to commit to it because it's such a commitment, like long term. It's a time suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm afraid that, and maybe this is why authors don't put themselves out there is they're afraid it'll take time away from the writing, which is a valid concern. Um, yeah. And also like, you know, I'm a big proponent of like, don't start something you can't finish, right? So if you can't commit to it, maybe it's not for you, but um, I guarantee that'll work for you. Yeah, no, I think, I absolutely think it will. And I think authors, uh, I think what happens is w- authors think that uh, when I become a successful, I'm sorry, I'm shaking my camera. Uh, when I become You're a so successful excited. author, I'm so excited. I'm literally shaking. Uh, I'm going to walk away from everything, right? Mm, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest mistake authors make mm. is that they get a little bit of success. They go full in thinking, if I have nothing but uh, time, time to write, then I can write for like eight to 10 hours a day and my output will explode. And what mm-hmm. they end up doing is freaking out balls after leaving their work, even if they're financially safe, yep. they freak out because they don't have all those things that made them feel secure and mm-hmm. they end up not writing at all. And they mm-hmm. end up you know, having to crawl back to a, a full-time job because they, they can't they can't survive. And I mm. think if you start focusing on other things besides just your writing, because mm-hmm. every business has multiple pieces. Yeah. That's right. The marketing is another piece. And, and most people think, most authors think that marketing means Facebook ads. Uh, so I think if they were to focus on something like content marketing, they'd, they'd be more fulfilled and more successful. Mm. End of Kevin's uh, soapbox on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to you, Matt. <laughs> it's an interesting question and as somebody who works in marketing it's something i think about a lot i do think it's easier to do content marketing for nonfiction than for fiction that's the challenge that i've been trying to overcome with my own brand is how do you do effective content marketing for fiction that's going to lead to book sales related Um, content you've got it you did uh, a book about the uh chichen itza and the pyramids and Mm. you did all that right start presenting some of that content as interesting articles that you share and uh short stories Uh, You know, there's all kinds of things you could do around that content. Yeah. It's an exciting time. I mean, you just, (laughs) I mean, I I don't know if I have the time, but it is an exciting time that you can do this stuff and build your business that way. It's cool. Yeah, no, I I do agree that it is a, it's going to be time consuming, but I think it's time well spent because it is, it's marketing time. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's time with purpose instead of 
you know, I'm going to, I just want to create a podcast because I have some friends who have podcasts and it sounds cool, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to create a podcast aimed at authors, even though I don't want to be uh, in the business of, de- of uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I, that one is a sticky trap for a lot of people. It, yeah. Of course it worked out for me because it helps with draft to digital. So mm-hmm. I turned it into something, but I can tell you firsthand, you know, if I'd created content that was aimed at the reader, I, I would have been better off uh, sooner as far as uh, marketing mm-hmm. my own work. Yeah. Um, so what is your, what is your primary tool for marketing? How, how, what do you focus on when you're marketing your work? So the email list is probably the major thing that I've worked on growing the last year. Uh, that's been really helpful. Um, I try to do like book recommendations in my genre to the email list too. And they seem to right. really enjoy those. Um, not only because they get to discover new authors, but oftentimes because um, there are sales on and stuff that they wouldn't have found otherwise. So that's been a really big thing. Um, I have not had much success with social media. I do some like paid advertising, but I've just been pulled back on it while I'm focusing on the new series. Um, So I think like email list and and the other thing is networking, just getting to know authors in my genre Mm -hmm. is super helpful. Do you do uh, like newsletter swaps and things like that? I have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's effective. Um, I don't, and and maybe there's there are some who might argue that it's less effective now than it used to be, but I actually think it's still pretty effective. There's probably some truth to that. Like, it's not a big lever in your marketing, but you know, yeah. every little bit counts. And so, if it's a lever you can pull, why wouldn't you? As long as it's you know something that you're giving value in exchange for value. I think when those things don't work is when it's like, um, gimme, 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 and you're not actually giving anything back. Right. Right. You know, not exactly. providing value. And this is like the essential thing, uh, marketing or networking in general, you want to provide value first you right. know, rather than just taking. Yeah. And I like, um, so I, you know, and I'm pretty picky about what I'll send out to my list. It has to relate yep. to them directly, but I have, uh, you know, I sent out David Barron's has a, a new book, uh, releasing temple of the snake. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. Pretty- it's exactly my, it's even misplaced history, just like my, <laughs> my archaeological thrillers. So uh, he, uh, I sent out the, the, that book to my list this morning because nice. I know and I, that they're going to love that book because they like my books. Yep. Uh, and it doesn't directly benefit me financially, but what it does is create goodwill with those readers. They know That's that right. they can trust me to recommend good books, even when they're mm-hmm. not Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. not selling to them. I don't make anything from it. And I'm not, sell- I'm not telling them you must go buy this, but I, I'm That's telling right. them you'll be interested in this because if you liked my stuff, you'll like David's book. Yeah. See, I think that's great marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing stuff kind of like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I focus really um, mostly on the space opera sci-fi genre, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of where my books sit. Although they're, they're a little weird because they're like, there's no like starship captains in the translocator series, but yeah. they do kind of fall under that Stargate-y sort of thing. So anything that is like that, um, or that seems to have like a Stargate sort of inspired element, I try yeah. to share that with them. Um, also like my main character is a strong female protagonist who also happens yeah. to be an archeologist. So anything that hits those tropes, um, I'd be happy to share. Um, I try to vet for quality too, you know, make sure that it's good stuff that I would read. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I think it's good to help them discover new authors. And, you know, I've heard from my readers, they really seem to love it. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's that community thing. That's um, right. and you're folding the readership into the community, which mm-hmm. can only benefit everybody. So yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. Good work on your marketing. Good work. 
you. <laughs> Once again, you did not ask my opinion, but I give it freely. Um, <laughs> so you're, you got uh, the new series coming up. You're, re- you're pre-writing. Thing. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. I know how hard that is, man. Trust me. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> I got a whole catalog full of books now that uh, that I are sort of waiting to be released. And it's oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I've exciting. been I've been chugging away, you know. And uh, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing to uh, kind of oh, yeah. that a little is I'm releasing. That's where this con- the content marketing thing started because I, uh, I I'm creating things that get out there that one help promote my other books, but two give me a creative outlet with feedback the way I need it uh, while I'm also using this other creative outlet to create more, more. Books. Yeah. Love so it. That, that's where that started. Uh, all right, man. Well, we're, uh, we're coming up close uh, to time here. I, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. What, what, um, what else you got happening uh, besides the new books coming up soon? I mean, I think that's really my main focus right now. Got the audiobook in January of 2019. And then shortly after, I hope to have the first of the new series ready. Um, and yeah, just kind of go from there, building out the sci-fi backlist, um, under MG Heron. So fantastic. Fantastic, man. I'm going to be looking for you on the USA Today, uh, bestsellers list. <laughs> I hope, I hope you're not looking for too long, Kevin. I'm, I'm staring. I keep staring. I hit refresh every few minutes. Looking <laughs> for MG Heron. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, great. That's fantastic. I wish you uh, all the luck in the world on that stuff. Uh, I know. Uh, I know what you're going through. Believe me. So, uh, and you you do good work. So I'm sure they'll sell well. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, and to everybody else, right now you are hearing the Groovy Bridge music. You may dance in place at will. Uh, but be sure in your dancing that you stick around because uh, afterwards I got my little bit of afterward and we'll, uh, we'll chat. You're also going to want to hear this ad that's going to play like right now. So I'll see you on the other side. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard with a fully custom soundtrack based on your material. An album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. Sonatainscribe.com. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt Heron. I, um, I know I enjoyed it, uh, both the first time and the second time. Uh, so, um, lots, lots there to unpack. Uh, a, a term, by the way, that I've been told we need to use a lot less in 2019, unpacking things. <laughs> Sorry, I slipped it in there. Um, so, thanks for sticking around, by the way, because this is the part of the show where I get to kind of just uh, chat with you, uh, and we can enjoy each other's company. Uh, so there may not be a ton to learn from this, this, uh, this part of the show, but I'm hoping you'll take inspiration from it. Um, as a, my good friend, uh, Roland Denzel, uh, complimented me on Facebook, um, by recommending the Wordslinger podcast to someone who was, who was asking for recommendations. And, uh, he said, you know, for the way he saw, he, he gave a list some shows were great for learning the basics of writing, learning the business of writing. And for the Words Leader podcast, he said that it was good for motivation and inspiration. And at first I looked at it and thought, well, how come I'm not good for uh, the business of writing and yeah, <laughs> the basics of writing? And then I realized why. And, the re- and, and, and I agreed with him is what where I'm going to land on this. Because... <laughs> 
Because it's true. I don't get into the nitty gritty of like how to write, how to build a career per se. Uh, my guests can talk about that stuff and uh, we'll go into details. And I want to find those those gems and nuggets for you. Um, but this show really is about inspiration and motivation. And in fact, that's part of the that's part of the the um, mission statement of the show to inform and inspire, educate and entertain. That's the word slinger mission. So I'm kind of, it's re, it's good. It's getting through. So um, anyway, Roland's a great guy. I have a character name for him in my uh, Dan Kotler thriller series, Roland Denzel. He's a key principal character, a, a secondary protagonist. So uh, there you go. <laughs> um, so thanks, Roland. And now I want to talk a little bit about, uh, because over the past couple of months, now we've taken a hiatus here, which I normally do. Uh, as Christmas and the New Year come around, uh, things get pretty busy for me all around, and I generally take some time off from the show <clears throat> and I hate to do that because you know it's it's our way of connecting and uh, it's part my part in the community uh, so I don't like to go too long uh, there have been some gaps over the past couple of years but um, <clears throat> over the past month so starting in uh, November I really felt convicted about uh, something um, so in terms of my writing career so Basically, what happened was I started writing a book in January last year, and uh, I got kind of sidetracked. Um, I got discouraged, actually. That's really what happened. I got discouraged uh, because I felt like I was just writing the same stuff over and over again. I felt like maybe I, I needed to explore other avenues. I was frustrated that things weren't breaking as quickly as I wanted them to. I was making a really good income from these books, but I was not hitting the next level. Um, and I think I've talked to quite a few authors now who feel the same way. I, at Nink, I spoke with Diane Capri, for example. She feels the same way. She's doing very well with her series. And it's it's got a tie-in with Lee Child. I mean, it's got his approval. He, she's writing in his universe. And, uh, and she still feels like she's not hitting the next level. And, you know, I had to define what next level meant in order to be able to grasp what's going on here. Um, over the course of a year, I didn't ceased writing. I actually wrote at least two more books over the over that year, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, but what I didn't do was finish that Dan Kotler book that I started back in January. And uh, the, sad, the sad part is, in January, I had determined that I'm going to release a book a month. That's what I, I think I probably even said it on the show. Uh, and I didn't. I completely bombed that. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it felt... The pressure of that uh, got to me, and I started feeling a little depressed about some things and started feeling uh, some anxiety about a few things. I, I'm telling you this because I want you to know, because I know this happens to other people. Um, I know that other authors experience this. So uh, I wanted to let you know that that was happening to me as well, and, and it gets to you. So what, what ended up happening, you know, I go to hundreds, dozens tens fives whatever i go to a lot of conferences um and throughout the year uh in starting in like july and september july august september area i i go to a few that are mostly in florida um and you know i meet other authors i hang out i learn some things i share draft digital stuff and so it's a great opportunity to connect more with the community but i started to feel kind of run down by that too 
And then I went to a conference in November. I went to the 20 Books in Vegas conference. Uh, and right now there, there are 20 books in, in uh, Bali. So <laughs> I'm not at that one. So enjoy, Dan. Uh, Dan Wood is there <laughs> representing Trapped Digital. Uh, it's okay because this, this was a tight uh, time of year for me anyway. Um, but at that conference in Las Vegas, I... I don't know. It was just, it was the right crowd. It was the right people. Uh, I was learning from the right people, connecting to the right people, um, sharing draft to digital stuff. But I had a number of people come up to me who knew me from Wordslinger podcast and who knew I was an author myself. And it was nice for once to have a crowd of people who recognized me uh, for my own work. Well, I, I got inspired and I, I, I revisited this book that had been sitting there. Uh, waiting to for me to get back to it, and there was some dread and a lot of anxiety about it. It was it was uh, a topic I wasn't entirely enthusiastic about. Um, I just have no interest in in Antarctica. Although now I have a greater interest in Antarctica now that I've finished the book and I've started looking closer. I had all this research and everything, and I'm starting to realize you know I could probably get more books out of this continent uh, and some really good ones. But uh. It was. I was feeling overwhelmed by it, and decided that the only answer to that was to just buckle down and and get back to it. That meant going back, starting again, um, and I had this process that I was starting to develop of right, you know, uh, taking the content I've written, the scenes, exporting them as Word documents, importing those into Grammarly. Uh, so that I don't lose formatting, right? Because uh, when I, you cut and paste into Grammarly, you lose italics and things like that. It's very annoying. But And there may be a better process for this. If you know it, let me know. Um, but spitting that into uh, Grammarly, and then I do my edits and rewrites in Grammarly. Um, doing it that way helped me get in, back into the rhythm, get back into the story, and, uh, and also improve the manuscript, frankly. So... I started kind of pushing my way through it, <clears throat> and uh, it was a heads-down kind of thing. And then I finished the book inside, between November and December, say, I think I started actually November 15th, uh, I believe was the date that I started back on the book, and I released it on December 15th. So in a month, it was completed, edited, run through my um, my street team, and uh, and and published, so and then it it broke my um, it it was it was the first to break my pre-sale uh, record, my pre-order record. And that was pretty amazing. <clears throat> um, and then I uh, actually it was it is currently the pre-order record. So I that put me uh, on track gave me some momentum and as soon as I finished the writing and I was doing all the publishing and everything I didn't stop writing I started writing the next book and that book uh will release now so December 15th was the uh the Antarctic forgery the new book the stepping maze is the is the next one that's going to release January 25th I would have done it earlier in January but with the holidays I wanted to give uh everyone enough breathing room (laughs) <laughs> between all the purchases they made and uh, you know the chaos of the holidays um, so that they could pre-order 
the Stepping Maze. And uh, that book is is uh, sailing up there with pre-orders as well. Uh, it's, it's doing pretty well. Um, it was in the top 20 of uh, historic fiction, historic thrillers for, for quite a while there, alongside Antarctic Forgery. For the first time that, I, that I'm aware of, I had three titles in the top 100 in historic thrillers. <clears throat> of course, Ernie Dempsey had six, but uh, <laughs> he also works for it. And I wasn't quite working for it. I was just selling. I was just putting the books out there and ma- making them available. Um, so all that's happened. And I fin- so I finished, by implication, a second book around the time that I was releasing um, Antarctic Forgery. I, I was essentially uh, head-, head down and I-, I got the book written and finished well before Christmas. <clears throat> so... Uh, I was able to announce the pre-order and everything, the title, the cover. I did all the reveals. I did that in stages. And uh, the book is with my street team right now, and they're they're giving me the final edits. And they're they're good. These things are turning out pretty well. So I got a nice little workflow going, I think, a nice process. Um, and then uh, I started the next book. Now, the next book was more challenging, and I'll, I'll get into why in a later episode because I don't want to... I don't want to reveal anything about it just yet. I'm, it's still, uh, I'm about 10,000 words in, so I've got some time. Uh, but uh, that's good progress. I mean, I've only been writing it for about a little over maybe less than two weeks. Um, I should be further ahead, but the holidays, I did take some, some, I did take a day off, but I have basically, no, I didn't. Come to think of it, I did not take any days off. I have consistently written every day. I just haven't always hit my my uh, typical word count. And I've decided that that's fine. In this stage of my writing, I've decided that my word target goals are not as important as making sure that I'm writing every day. And some days I write 10,000 words, and some days I write um, 1,000 words. And uh, I'm going to be okay with that. Um, I do have a, like a, my minimum, my target for the day is usually uh, 2,500. I set a, a target. It used to be 5K. I used to consistently hit 5K. I could still do that, but what I'm finding is I, I'm enjoying this more relaxed pace, and I'm I'm excited about the work again. I'm enthusiastic about the work, uh, rather than dreading it and it being a drudgery. I'm uh, I'm allowing myself to have fun with it, and so I'm continuously adding to it. There are ch- other challenges that are coming up, and by sticking to my guns and sticking to my you know commitment, my workflow. It, it, the challenges sort of solve themselves. So all that, that's all happening. So I've, I've got a new book coming out. I've got just released one. Uh, that was December. I've got a new one for January. I'll, uh, it looks pretty likely that I'll have one for February. Um, I've decided this year that I'm not going to set that, that sort of goal, uh, of like a book a month. And instead I'm just going to, I've determined that I'm going to write every day. And the consequence of writing every day is then I end up with more books to release. Um, now, I pretty much wrote every day anyway, but sometimes it wasn't focused. If I, if I allowed myself to get distracted or um, anxious or, you know, intimidated, overwhelmed, um, I might shift gears. And instead of writing the book I'm working on, I'd, I'd start another book. And that's how I ended up with I've got like three books sitting and waiting for me to get back to them and edit them 
um, that have nothing to do with the Kotler series. But I have this goal for my Dan Kotler thrillers to have, uh, I want to hit the number, magic number for me is 12. I want to hit 12 of those books so that I can start taking them wide as I release more over the course of the next year and I write more over the course of the next year. And uh, I want to get a nice, strong, steady flow of books coming into Kindle Unlimited, spending their 90 days, and then going wide. And so I'll always, my goal is to always have some books in KU, because that's, that's right now, that's where my money's coming from. Um, and it's, it's significant. The numbers have gone up. That's, that's been the most fun part about this, honestly, is watching those numbers just start to go. With each new book, the numbers go up. And so um, there's a lot to recommend this strategy. I need to just pull this together, uh, maybe in, in a blog post, maybe in a book. I'm not sure yet uh, what form this is going to take, but I need to pull this all together. I'm even thinking about maybe doing some kind of video series where I'm not distracting myself from my writing uh, by doing different writing, and instead I'm creating content in a new way. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So, But there's a lot that's happening there. Um, my philosophy, like I don't, I don't really like the whole uh, New Year's resolution thing. <laughs> Uh, not because honestly, I, I, I rarely keep the resolutions. Um, I, I guess I'd prefer new year's commitment maybe, uh, but I'm not a big fan of commitment either because <laughs> I'm a guy. No, um, the whole commitment thing is, is difficult only because things change, you know, you need to be flexible. So I guess I need to come up with a definition of it. I need to sit down and do my New Year's planning. That's what I need to do. I need to, to plan things out. And that one of the, those things can involve uh, creating a definition for what I'm committing to here, what I'm doing. Um, basically, what I need is processes. I need routines. I need a routine. I like New Year's routines. That's that's where I'll, I'll, I'll land on that for now. Uh, and the routine is something you repeat consistently to get the result you're after, uh, but you also adjust as needed. Um, so I like that better. <laughs> anyway, um, that's it. I, I, I just wanted to kind of give you a breakdown of where things are. Uh, we had a great Christmas, great New Year, and uh, you know we had a low-key New Year. We didn't go out. We didn't do anything fancy. We watched a movie, um, which is what Karen and I like to do now. <laughs> Um, some interesting news on the RV front. I've moved that. I think I've told you this. Uh, I moved it to Florida. There's a place called Luxury RV Rental. If you're looking for an RV, they have several to rent, uh, and they start there in Florida. So if you've got a Disney vacation, I highly recommend um, going to Fort Wilderness and Disney. It is, in my opinion, uh, that and the Boardwalk, um, the Boardwalk Inn, are the two best resorts at Disney. But the cool thing about, what I love about Fort Wilderness is, first of all, it's the only pet-friendly resort. So you can bring your dog, your cat, whatever. They have a pet care uh, that you can put them in for the day. It has cameras so that you can see your pets on your phone while you're riding, you know, and while you're at Epcot or whatever. Um, But it's just, to me, I love being in nature. And it's, it's just you're encased in it there. And you're also among 
another community that I really love as much as the um, the indie author community, and that's the RV community. Uh, and these these campers and people are there camping in tents. They're in they're you know truck campers. They're in pop ups. They're in large RVs like ours. Anyway, I highly recommend it. And you can rent that from Luxury RV Rental if you go find that. Um, go and uh, when you approach them, tell them you want Kevin Tumlinson's RV. They have several, but that you know, tell them tell them you want that one. Let them know you you heard about them through me and you you want to rent them. The guy who runs the place, Robert, is really cool. So uh, go check that out. But we've been renting the RV out for the past several months anyway. Uh, it just became overwhelming to do it through Outdoorsy, unfortunately. If I if I wanted to do that as a full time gig, I could have. We were making great money, um, and it was really easy to rent. But the overhead of maintaining the RV and the, which includes the time to maintain the RV, was just getting out of hand. So uh, handing it over to a service that manages all that for us uh, was uh, really convenient. So that's where the RV is right now. We're probably going to get at some point. I'm thinking about getting either. Um, I'm looking at solutions. I'm looking at a variety of solutions. I, I, I think a van is kind of the front runner right now. And speaking of RV vans, uh, the Russos, Joe and Kate Russo, who have been on this show twice before, they have their YouTube channel about van life. Um, they are on their way here right now. I mean, it's Friday morning. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna swing by and we're gonna hang out for the day. So uh, they're here in the Houston area. It's going to be great to see them. I haven't seen them for, let's see, since April. Um, they were here in April, uh, and we met on the day that Karen and I were moving into this new place. So it'll be good to see those guys. Anyway, uh, that's it. We're going to wrap up. I know we run a little long, but I, I feel like uh, this is the most fun I get to have with you guys. So, <laughs> And I get to talk about my stuff a little. So. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. Uh, get out there and make sure you're writing every day. That's that's the key. I know it sounds hard, but you can find the time, even if you're writing 100 words a day, uh, 50 words a day. I mean, that's a you know you're basically writing a text message a day, uh, but every little chip in the stone helps to reveal the statue of David. So get out and start chipping. Just start writing every single day. You'll you'll be shocked at uh, the progress you can make. So. Um, and uh, you can improve over time. So take care of yourselves. God bless you. Uh, make sure you subscribe to uh, this show on, on iTunes, on Stitcher. Leave reviews wherever you can uh, on YouTube as well. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.